Good evening, guys. How's everybody doing? Doing well. It's good to see all of you. So is, it, is this the thing? Is the closer I get to the group, the further the group gets away from me? Is that how this works? It's like I moved my table down here and everybody's like, let's move back a couple rows. Okay. feel a little self-conscious. That's okay. One time when I was a youth pastor, um, the kids did the same thing. And so we had worship. And then when they all went back to their seats and they all sat in the back of the room, I just took the podium and went back to the back of the room and said, turn your chairs around. And then they were in the front of the room. Anyway, I'm not going to make you do that tonight. Uh, it's great to see you all. And uh, I'm glad you're here. If you weren't here when I made the announcement earlier, go ahead and sign in on the sign-in sheet as it comes around. If you'd like the notes emailed to you, um, then, uh, hey, how are you tonight? Uh, feel free, put your email on there, and the notes will be emailed out to you tomorrow. Tracy Galley, is, uh, she's going to get those out to you tomorrow, so feel free. Um, we're going to go ahead and get started, so I'm going to say a word of prayer, and then uh, we'll jump right in. Heavenly Father, thank you for your goodness. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for every leader that's sitting in this room tonight. I uh, Thank you for every leader that's gonna listen to this recording later. And I just pray your blessing on them, God. I pray that you would grow their leadership. I pray that you would grow them personally to help them become the person that this community needs, to be the person that their family needs, to be the person that their work needs, and ultimately the person that, that you can use in an incredible way. So God, have your way among us tonight, God, no matter what's going on in this place, no matter what burdens, no matter what heaviness or issues we've brought into this place, I pray that you would work through those, and I pray that we'd see how incredibly good you are in spite of those situations. So God, be glorified through us tonight in our time together. In your name, amen. Well, it is wonderful to see you guys tonight. If you're new to leadership night, basically what we do is uh, we'll do some leadership coaching and then uh, that'll be followed by some Q&A. So we will talk through and I didn't announce to you what our topic was going to be for tonight. And uh, I want to I wanna encourage you, if you hear the topic, don't automatically turn your brain off and go, that doesn't apply to me because it applies to someone in your circle of influence for sure. So can we, can we just have a mutual agreement, no turning off brains, is that okay? Okay, uh, so tonight we're gonna talk about people pleasing. Because um, this is the thing, you might think I'm not a people pleaser, but the truth is all of us are people pleasers to some degree or another. Um, all of us have a deep desire to be accepted by other people. Uh, in, in church context, we talk about it in this way, and we say, all of us want to be 100% known and 100% loved, but with human beings, that's very, very hard. Uh, and so that's where we find acceptance in the love of God. Um, and so all of us have this deep desire, though, to be known and accepted or known and loved. And as a result, all of us have this desire at times or this this feeling that maybe I'm not good enough, maybe I need to embellish a little bit, maybe I need to, maybe I need to mirror what they're doing or what they're saying or what I believe about them so that I'll find more acceptance. And so it's easy for us to do that no matter how strong a leader you are. But the truth is, even if you are a strong, secure leader, you probably have people around you uh, who deal with this tendency to, to be a people pleaser. And so even if this isn't applied to you personally, I want you to think about it through the lens of how do I help my team? Because maybe there's some people on your team and you think they're just not a very good employee or they're not a very good team member, volunteer, or whatever your context is, but maybe they struggle with people pleasing and that's what's really undermining their effectiveness and their ability to do the job that you need them to do. Um, 
being a people pleaser in and of itself isn't a bad thing to make people happy, but when it becomes a driving force in our lives, it, it, can, it can manifest unhealthiness in all kinds of areas. And so what I'm gonna do tonight, I'm gonna talk to you about three different things. Number one, signs you may be a people pleaser. And the second thing is uh, dangers of people pleasing. And then the last one is gonna be solutions. How do we fix it if we realize, hey, I am in fact a people pleaser. Um, and we'll talk through a little bit. Hey, if you've got somebody in your team and you've identified they're a people pleaser and that's their, that's their issue. How can we fix that? And how can we work through that? Um, so first thing is this, signs you may be a people pleaser. Um, has, let me ask this. Has anybody ever done the Enneagram? A few of you have done the Enneagram? Okay. So uh, if you haven't, it's okay. There's lots of personality profiles and tests out there. Uh, for our staff and our elder, our elder board, we use the Enneagram. And to me, it's one of the most complete um, tools to be able to just see how communication should flow and work. And I really enjoy the Enneagram and how the insight it gives. So if you're an Enneagram person, the, the, the person who's going to naturally slant toward people pleasing is going to be a nine on the Enneagram and they're a peacemaker. Uh, and so if you know a nine, if you're an Enneagram person, think about it that way. And as I walked through this teaching, uh, I realized there's a bunch of people in my life that are nines, and if they hear this, they're going to think I'm talking about them, but I'm not. That's their insecurity, and uh, it's going to be okay, I promise. So signs you may be a people pleaser. The first thing is this. You have trouble saying no. Um, and I, again, all of us are a little bit of people pleasers, so all of us struggle to some degree. Uh, when somebody goes, hey, what are you doing on Saturday? Not much. What's going on? And you're thinking maybe they're inviting me to a barbecue or a ball game. And they said, well, I'm moving a piano from the third floor of my house at 10 o'clock. Can you come? And you're like, I just already told them I'm not doing anything. So now I'm trapped and I have to help this person that I just met move their piano from the third floor. Uh, and, and it may not be that dramatic, but all of us, to some degree or another, have trouble saying no at times. Uh, but a person who, has, uh, who, who is a people pleaser, they're going to be somebody who they feel badly if they say no. It's almost a chronic issue where they can't. So when somebody says, hey, can you help with? Yes, I can. Hey, can you be a part of? Yes, I can. Hey, can you serve in this area? Yes, I can. Hey, can you take on this task? Absolutely. Because we feel like that's our pathway to acceptance. That's our pathway for, for people to love me better if I will just satisfy their need, if I'll just take care of their issue. Um, so if you have trouble saying no, you may be a people pleaser. Um, as a subcategory of that, um, people pleasers are people who fail to say no, typically feel overworked because what happens is they've got their job or they've got their responsibility and then other people's responsibilities start bleeding into it. And because they have a hard time saying no and they want their coworkers to like them, they're gonna overcommit to areas and opportunities that they really probably shouldn't overcommit to. So they're gonna feel overworked. Um, uh, another subcategory of, feeling, of trouble saying no is uh, your schedule's out of control. Now, everybody in this room and everybody who's going to listen to this later would all say, every single one of us, if somebody says, how are you doing? One of our default responses is, we're busy. Oh, we're busy, right? We've got kids, we've got ball games, we've got work, we've got church. Mel makes me come to leadership night. Can you believe this junk? I can't believe he makes me come here just to, just to make his ego a little better. They, we have to show up. Um, whatever it is, we all are busy, right? Um, but someone who has a hard time saying no, 
their schedule gets out of control, not just from their stuff, from other people's stuff as well. So if you look at your schedule and you realize, I feel a little bit overwhelmed, I feel like my schedule's out of control, um, I feel overworked, and it's not just with my stuff, but it's from other people's stuff as well, you may be a people pleaser because maybe you struggle to say no. The second thing is this, uh, the word, the phrase, I'm sorry, is your most used phrase. People pleasers will apologize for things that aren't even their responsibilities. So if you find yourself apologizing, uh, for things that maybe weren't even your responsibility, that might be a sign that you're a people pleaser. Now, there's nothing wrong with trying to make amends, but again, a people pleaser will apologize for things that they didn't even do. Um, and and I've, I've, in the past, I have done this thing where if something's going on in somebody's life, and I might have even done it tonight with some of you as I talk to you, and if something as bad has happened, I might say, hey, I'm so sorry. And that is not the same as taking responsibility for something that you're not responsible for, if that makes sense. Um, but a people pleaser will apologize for things that they haven't even done. Um, and one of the reasons I believe, I'm gonna psychoanalyze a little bit, is because sometimes we believe um, that, that we were responsible and we're responsible for how, other, how others feel as well. And so, um, so when somebody says something bad has happened in the job, sometimes we might apologize or say, I'm sorry, because we feel like somewhere along the way we were responsible. Or we might be a little defensive because we feel a little insecure and we feel like they're blaming us for whatever's gone wrong. So we automatically default to, I'm sorry. So if you find yourself saying, I'm sorry, a lot in your workplace, uh, in your home, um, in your community, in your small groups, whatever it might be, you may be a people pleaser. Number three, you pretend to agree with everyone. And I don't think we do this overtly, conscientiously. I think people who are people pleasers uh, agree with the people around them to simply prevent conflict because a people pleaser doesn't want conflict. Uh, that is the opposite of who they are and what they want. And so as a result, sometimes we are agreeable with people we shouldn't be agreeable with just because we think it's the, the easiest pathway to, to a lack of conflict, to peace. And that is that can get us in so much trouble uh, because what happens is we affirm people when we shouldn't be affirming them. Um, I do something when I'm counseling people or having a conversation with people. If, if someone is in a crisis mode, what I try to do is find the things that they say that I agree with them and I land on those. So somebody that's in crisis is gonna say things that are off the wall sometimes. And I never, ever, ever affirm those things because I never want them to think, yeah, you're right to feel that way. But when they say something that I can agree with, I will land on it. So then they go, you know what? This is what's going on and I don't know how I feel. And you know, sometimes it's this, but you know what? I know God's good. You know what? God is good. I mean, you know what, let me, and so I affirm the things that are true, but I try never ever to affirm things that I don't actually have a conviction about. Does that make sense? Because as a people pleaser, again, it can lead us to areas um, where we're agreeing with people that in our heart, we really don't agree with them, but we, we're forced to, we say it and oh, now we're locked in. The fourth thing is this, um, you're very, and I can't stress this enough, you're very uncomfortable when someone's mad at you. Uh, now, none of us like when people are upset with us, right? Can we just agree that none of us like for people to be upset with us? Um, <laughs> usually, I wouldn't say this publicly, but I'm gonna go ahead and say this. We're just family. Nobody else is gonna hear this except the people that listen online. Uh, so, <laughs> so if you're around Summit, you know, my dad passed away just over a month ago, and I've taken some time off. I've been out. The, my board knew it. Um, my leadership knew it. 
and like my, my external board of overseers, they suggested it. And on Sunday, I got the most hateful email from somebody in our church saying, you don't even deserve to be full-time at our church because you miss too much. You should be part-time, if that. You should be sending other pastors to go preach other places. If you really, wanna, if you really loved us, you wouldn't be going to other churches to preach. You would send your, your staff, of which we have too many. I mean, there's like three itemized like, bullet points of why I stink as a pastor, or as a leader, or whatever it is. And that's just part of leadership. And I'm not telling you that to like poor me. If you're a leader, you're gonna get criticism that's unfair. It is going to happen. There's no amount of people pleasing you can do that's going to make everyone happy. So just understand that if you're a high level leader, if you're leading your family, if you're leading a department, if you're leading a company, whatever, whatever it may be, there were gonna be people that are, are unhappy with you. And you have, to, you have to be comfortable with that. So if you find yourself being very uncomfortable, laying awake at night because you got a hateful email from a subordinate or from a coworker and you just, you're just stressing and you're obsessing over it, you might be a people pleaser. The fifth thing is this. Uh, you act like the people that you're with. If you find yourself mirroring the people you're around, then you may be a people pleaser. So those are the signs that you may be a people pleaser. Those aren't exhaustive at all. But I want you to think about it in the context of your own life, but think about them in the context of your teams too, the people you lead, the people you're around. Because there might be, again, some things that you go, man, uh, I thought they had an issue with, but really, man, I see some of these, ha these things happening in their lives. Um, so let me get to this, dangers of people pleasing. And these are in no specific order, um, but these are just, as I was processing this and thinking through it, the first thing is this, and the dangers of being a people pleaser, uh, time management is a liability. If you are a people pleaser, one of the biggest dangers is your schedule will be hijacked. Um, you, will, you will not control your schedule any longer. So we talked about the inability to say no. Um, but if you, if you have trouble saying no to things, then your schedule will get out of control. Um, you're going to look at your calendar sometimes in the morning and you're going to feel overwhelmed. Or maybe worse yet, you're going to get to the end of your day and you're going to look back and go, I didn't accomplish anything today. And the reason is, is because you had interruptions. You had moments, people, hey, can you help with, hey, sorry to bother you, will you? And you say, yes, 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 yes. And as a result, you don't get anything done. And now your, your calendar starts to feel overwhelming. You're starting to get the stress. And again, your supervisor might say you have a problem with time management, when in reality, you have a problem because you're pleasing people. Um, so this is, this is something, and this isn't directed at any of my staff that's here, uh, but I have a number of people on my staff, again, on the Enneagram, they identify as a nine, and a nine is a peacemaker. So they're, they're, one of their highest values is to avoid conflict. And a healthy peacemaker is fantastic, but if they're unhealthy, they're gonna default to this kind of stuff where they're gonna be overwhelmed and their schedule gets crazy and nuts and uh, they feel weird when people ask them to help with stuff and they can't say no and all those kind of things happen. And they can get really unhealthy really quickly. So time management becomes a liability if you're a people pleaser. The second thing is this, um, your personal identity is lost. Now this is the extreme case. Uh, but if you do act like the people that you're with, what happens is you end up suppressing your own opinion and you end up suppressing your own thoughts because, again, you don't want conflict. And if I tell them what I really think, they might not like it. So instead, I'm going to wait and let them lead the way. We're going to have this conversation and I'm going to just affirm it. Yeah, that's right. And, and what happens is we end up mirroring the people we're around and we end up suppressing our own identity. We don't even really know who we are anymore. Um, 
And what I've seen is you're never happy with who you are because you may not be sure of who, who that actually is because you're so busy being like the people you're around. Uh, there was a, I'm very secure in my masculinity, as you can tell by the beard. Uh, but my wife loves romantic comedies. I know she's probably the only one. There was a movie a few years ago. It was called Runaway Bride with, um, with uh, Julie Roberts. And she had been engaged and run out on men over and over and over, like four times. She had left men, abandoned them at the altar. And this guy, this news reporter, um, he hears the story and he goes to investigate. And one of the things he finds is he starts interviewing all these men that have been left at the, at the altar is that she shifted who she was with every single guy she was with. And one of the things that, that he asked every single guy was, um, hey, how did she take her eggs? And every one of them had a different answer and all of them she matched what they did. Now, again, this is an act of Hollywood. This is fiction. But the truth is, some of us live that way, that we just, we, we lay our identity down and we go, hey, whatever the group says, whatever the dominant person says, whatever my boss says, uh, that's what I'm gonna do. And so what happens is our, person, our personal identity gets lost in this. Um, now, a side effect to our personal identity being lost is the number three thing, bitterness begins to set in. Um, I had an interaction with someone not too long ago that, um, that on, on, at the face of it, it looked like there was a lot of anger. And after I had the conversation and we began to work through some of the issues, I realized there wasn't anger at all. There was bitterness because this person felt like they weren't being heard. They felt like their voice didn't matter. And so there was other things going on and bitterness would start to set in because this person wanted very badly my affirmation. And so as a result, um, because they didn't get the affirmation they felt like they deserved, bitterness would start to creep in and the anger comes out. And this is what happens in, if we're not careful as a people pleaser. Now, bitterness will begin to set in. Because you prioritize other people's pursuits, um, there can be a growing sense of anger or bitterness. And if you do not receive the level of praise you think is appropriate, you can grow angry or bitter with the people that you're trying to please. And this is the ironic thing. Sometimes... You are the person that, that your team member, your staff member, your whoever, employee wants to please, but they get mad at you because you're not giving them what they want. And you think, again, it's so easy to look and go, well, I've got a problem employee. Well, not necessarily. Maybe you're just not speaking their language the way they can hear it. So maybe, maybe you need to have a direct conversation with them. And again, we can reference the one we talked about a few months ago. But you just have a direct conversation with them about what's really going on. What, this is what I see. Man, I affirm you. I love you. But tell me what's going on in your heart. And really work through some of those things. Because this is totally possible. And this is probable when it comes to someone who's a people pleaser. The fourth thing is this, uh, mental or emotional exhaustion grows. So if, if you're here, then there's no condemnation. If you recognize that you're a people pleaser, my wife will say, I'm a recovering people pleaser. You might've heard her say that sometimes. Uh, but if you are a people pleaser, you will know how exhausting it is to be a people pleaser because 
you're constantly on the lookout. Your antenna's constantly up and you're constantly trying to say, how do I make these people happy? How do I keep my boss happy? How do I keep uh, my supervisor, my husband, my whoever it might be, how do I keep these people happy? And as a result, at the end of the day, you're exhausted. And so what happens is um, it robs us of the ability to dream about the future, to be, dream about what God might wanna do in our lives. Uh, there's a phrase that I'm reminded of with this. Uh, there's a difference between working in the business and on the business. Working, working in the business means I'm just doing the day-to-day stuff to make sure the business survives another day. And working on the business means, to me, it means, hey, I'm, I'm trying to look strategically at where do we want to be a year from now or two years or 10 years from now? And what do we need to do to help us get there? And what happens when we're people pleasers is we end up working in the business, but not on the business. We're just managing our emotions on a day-to-day level. We're managing how we feel. We're managing how the people around us feel. And as a result, it undermines long-term development in our lives. That mental exhaustion grows, and uh, we're just managing day to day. Um, The truth is, you weren't wired to work like that. You weren't wired uh, with the kind of bandwidth you need to manage that and to become who you need to be long term. And so something is going to break down if that's what's happening in your life on a daily basis. The fifth thing is this, um, shallow relationships are the norm. Because what happens is people tend to use you. If you are a people pleaser, they know, man, I got a piano to move from the third floor on Saturday. I don't have anybody, none of my friends will respond. So you know what, I'm gonna ask this person because I know they'll say yes. So what happens is instead of developing real depth in relationships, we end up developing very shallow relationships that are more like contractual, that hey, I'll help you and maybe they'll reciprocate, but maybe not. and this is the thing, I mentioned this earlier, because we're never 100% authentic, we can never be 100% known or 100% loved. Because we're never really who we are, because we're mirroring or matching, what happens is the people might like us because of what they see in us that's like them. Does that make sense? They go, man, I really like Mel because he's a lot like me, except that's not who I really am. Does that make sense to anybody? So as a result, I know this, but they don't, and I feel like, Oh, you like you, you don't like me, right? And again, this comes back to this exhaustion of I don't have deep relationships, people who really know me, people who love me for who I am, and this will wear us out. The sixth thing, and this is the last one on this list, uh, of dangers of people pleasing is, uh, and I kind of referenced this earlier, is that one person. And, And you might be going, what are you talking about? But you know that one person, don't you? that you will never, ever, 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 ever make happy. And if you're a people pleaser and you live for the approval of someone else, there's always gonna be at least one person who says, nope, you stink. Nope, you're no good. And no matter how hard you try, you're never gonna get the affirmation from them you'd like, and it will wreck you. It will mess you up. Um, Maybe it was a father. Maybe it was a coach. Maybe it was a, a, a boss. Maybe it was a spiritual figure in your life, whoever it is, if that's something you have to have to, to feel completed, you're gonna be in trouble because there are gonna be people who just won't give it to you for whatever reason. No matter how you perform, no matter what you do, no matter what you say, and as a result, um, we can be broken pretty easily if we're not careful. And I wanna, I wanna be careful with that as well. I'm gonna mention this in a minute, but Uh, That doesn't mean you go, I can't please my boss, so forget him. I'm going to do whatever I want to anyway. That's not what I'm talking about. Um, 
but it's just you having the right frame of mind that says, I'm gonna do the best I can. I'm, I'm gonna give 100% to my job, to my role, to my whatever it is. And if they can't accept me, then I'm gonna be okay with that. It's being secure enough to understand that just not everybody's gonna be happy with us. So that one person is the sixth thing. Now, let me jump into this final section, the solutions. What does it look like um, to, to work through some of that? So if you're here and you're going, man, some of these things, that's me. I'm realizing that maybe I'm a people pleaser. What are some things we can do? Uh, the first thing is this, own the fact that you can choose. So many times people pleasers, um, we will say things like, um, well, I had to. Well, I didn't have any choice. Well, it's just what I, I was supposed to do. That they made me, whatever it might be. And the reality is you have a choice. Now, the one exception is your boss. If your boss says you have to do this, you gotta do it, right? If you wanna keep paying your bills. But uh, what happens so many times is, is we act like we are helpless. But the truth is we have the power to choose. So if we own the fact that we can choose, it makes it easier for us to take the next step. And number two is uh, make no your favorite word. And so you, so you, even as I said that, I could see the tension build in your shoulders like, oh gosh, how do I tell people no? I've been telling them yes forever. How do I make this shift? It is not easy, um, but I, I would do a few things. I would learn to say it without apology because again, people pleasers, when you say no, I'm proud of you. I'm gonna cheer for you, but then we qualify it and we'll go, no, I'm so sorry. And you've just undermined your no. Uh, another thing you do is you say no and you apologize or, or no and you give explanation. Hey, would you help me move on Saturday between 10 and noon? We're moving a piano from the third floor. No, I wish I could, but I've got a dentist appointment at 10. And so I'm, I, I'm sorry, I can't. Because what happens when you give an explanation is that you give them room to wiggle around and they'll go, oh, that's okay. We can move it at nine. And then as a people pleaser, we go, okay, right? So I would encourage you, learn to say no without apology. Learn to say no without excuse. Um, because again, they're gonna work around the excuse. Um, one of the things that I'd read years ago, I had to go back and find it, but there's a phrase, it's uh, empathetic assertion. And so what it means is basically, um, you put yourself in the other person's shoes as you assert yourself. And this is something I think our pastors do pretty well with, with our church even, is when somebody brings something to us that we go, man, we can't, or we're not gonna be able to, or whatever it might be, we will, we will show empathy in our assertion. So if somebody comes to us and says, hey, we're doing this big ministry event in our town, would you give us $1,000 to support us? We might say something like, man, we love what you are doing. We believe in what you're doing. Man, what you're doing to reach um, you know, homeless, uh, former clowns from the circus is fantastic. We think there's value in that. But, but just to be honest with you, we've got a limited budget and there's some things we've got to say no to in order to, to continue to fulfill the vision. So I'm sorry, we, we've got to say no, but man, please keep doing what you're doing. We're cheering you on. Does that make sense? And so there's a way you can say no without being a villain. And so I think when somebody says, can you help me move my piano from the third floor on Saturday at 10? Man, I totally understand how difficult that is. I appreciate how hard that is to get that piano down. I'm not gonna be able to help, um, but, but man, I wish you the best of luck. Uh, if, if there's anything I could do, I'll be praying for you, for your, your back. And uh, 
for the hernia that you're sure to get, so I'll be praying for you. But, so there's a way that we can say no without going, no, right? And just being mean about it. We can be empathetic about it. The last thing I would tell you in regard to make your no your favorite word is this. Uh, be wise about your no. Like I said earlier, uh, there's lots of people you can say no to, and there's some people you just can't say no to. Uh, if the IRS calls and says, we need to meet with you, don't tell them no. That's a bad idea. If your boss says, just you don't tell that your boss no. Um, so be wise about who you say no to and how you say no. Uh, the third thing is this. Know who and what is important to you. If you can identify who and what is important to you, it will be easier for you to say no. Because so many times as people pleasers, we don't know who and what is important to us. And so we say yes to everything because everything is important. So when people say, hey, can you help with this ministry to former clowns that are homeless? We go, that's important, yes, right? Um, but what we fail to recognize is by saying yes to a good thing, we might be saying no to the things we really wanna say yes to. It's robbing time, it's taking away resources, it's taking away energy. And so that's what we do as a ministry, but as an individual, you have to identify what's really important to me, what's really important to, to my family, um, what are my values, my personal values? You know, uh, are the things that I'm being asked to do gonna take away from the value that I can add to my family or my personal life or whatever it is? Is it gonna take away from my job if I'm helping them do their job? And so you have to be judicious. You have to understand who and what is important in your life. Um, I would tell you this. Um, if you're not sure when somebody says, and you gotta think, is this a value choice for me? Does that fit with who I am? Does that fit with? Uh, our default is to say yes and then come up with an excuse later, right? Hey, can you come to? Uh, yeah, I'll be there. And then day of, <coughs> hey, I'm sorry, I can't make it after all, right? Like, you guys are judging me, but you know you've done it. <laughs> and so instead of saying yes and then having to back off, maybe we say something like, hey, let me think about it. Hey, give me a day, let me think about it, let me decide. Um, because again, that takes the pressure off of us saying yes in that moment when we feel the pressure and it gives us some time, it gives us some space to be able to go, okay, does this really fit in my schedule? Does it really fit as a value? Is this somebody I want to help and, and breathe life into? Is this a cause that I believe in? If not, then I'm gonna say no. Uh, the fourth thing and the last thing is this. Um, and this, this, this might be a hard one, but ask, is this a real relationship or is this person just using me? Because if it's a real relationship, there's gonna be reciprocation. Um, there's gonna be fruit of that relationship in other places in your life. And, and you know if this person's just using you. They just want something I have. They want my piano dolly that I have. They want me because uh, I'm not good for very much, but I can lift heavy stuff. So like, okay, get Mel to come help with the piano, right? Like, are they just using me or is this a real relationship? Is this somebody that I would normally spend time with and invest into or are they just trying to leverage my inability to say no to get me to help them? Um, because all these questions will help you boil down the real relationships in your life. One of our core values here at Summit Church is healthy relationships. And, um, and we want you to have a healthy relationship. And I know you do too um, with the people around you but we can't if we're constantly saying yes to things we should be saying no to, if we're constantly people-pleasing, um, if we're never really our authentic self and people don't know who we are and, and we feel trapped. All these things are happening 
healthy relationships are impossible. Um, so I would encourage you, ask these kind of questions. Hey, is this person just using me or is this person really love me? Are they really for me? Is this a real relationship? A um, couple of resources that I would tell you about, um, and I've read one of them, the other one, um, a friend of mine had told me about and I had, I've looked at excerpts from, so I can't wholeheartedly recommend one of the books. The other one I would. Um, Amy Morin, she wrote a book called 13 Things Mentally Strong People Don't Do. She also wrote a couple other books, uh, Things, and I don't remember the number, it might have been 13 again, um, Things uh, Strong Parents Don't Do and th Things Strong Women Don't Do. Uh, I haven't read those two. Um, but 13 Things Mentally Strong People Do is a really good read. Uh, she is, to the best of my knowledge, not a believer. And so, um, you know, take that for what it is. But there's some great insights there. The other book that I haven't read that I've read excerpts from, though, that I felt like were good, um, it's by Susan Newman. It's, a, it's called the book, of, the book of No, 250 Ways to Say It and Mean It and Stop People-Pleasing Forever. Guys, I love you. Have a great night tonight.